Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, everyone. This conversation was recorded before uh, new measures, which constantly are changing around theatres being open or not. So please go and see Courtney Act show when it is open again. It may even be open at the time of this going out, because as we may have noticed... Things are changing pretty quickly around here. Sounded like I was about to break into song. Listeners, hello, how are you? Welcome to Homo Sapiens. What have I got to tell you other than some rather exciting news? We have got none other than Courtney Act on the show today. Courtney Act, you will know who Courtney Act is from Drag Race and from... British celebrity Big Brother, among many other things, including their sort of bisexual version of Love Island, the bi-life. But also, like, Courtney's real name is Shane Jenick. And we are going to be chatting to Shane about being Courtney, being Shane, and so many things sort of that come in between. Because what I love about Shane um, is that he has been on a journey of what part of him is Courtney Act and what part of him is Shane. And it's sort of fascinating to talk to somebody who has spanned from being on Australian Idol as a drag act all the way through to now, where drag is so mainstream. Sort of Shane's career is almost like a barometer for how drag has changed. And I'm really interested to hear more about that also because I've heard um, him talk so much about all those kind of realizations about being gender fluid being pansexual many moments of realization uh, that um, he speaks about really beautifully he is in a West End show in London's West End at the moment the show is called Death Drop it is a very sort of uh, irreverent drag take on Agatha Christie murder mystery with Monet Exchange and many other drag artists. It's loads of fun. Uh, so if you are um, looking to have a good socially distanced night out, they're all prepared for all the socially distanced stuff and COVID friendly, you get your temperature taken on the door. Go look it up. Go book some tickets. It's been selling out. It's had rave reviews. Um, so very exciting indeed. Now, before we chat to Shane, I'm going to remind you that we love to hear from you as well. So always get in touch. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com, on Instagram at homosapiens, on Facebook at homosapienspodcast. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. They are ultra helpful. And my favourite one wins a t-shirt. Bada bing. And if you don't want to 
win one, you can buy one. You can even buy a sweater, which, by the way, when we did a poll, when we did a poll on it, on Instagram, everyone loves the sweaters. So go to everpress.com forward slash homo sapiens. And you can buy one of those. But that's enough of the sales pitch. Let's talk to Shane, a.k.a. Courtney Act. Thank you so much for doing this at the end of a day of rehearsal. How has it been going? It's good. I've been just working, I guess, for a live house during these times is quite peculiar. Mm. It's normally, I don't know, a thousand seats and there's like 250 available each night. But to be in like such a big space with a sold out audience that's only a quarter full is like a bit of a mind fuck for a live performer because you're like, it's just built in that you've failed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even though it's sold out. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? So overcoming that is a challenge. And who is your crowd in in these days? The audience is pretty varied. Like on Sunday matinee, I think we had a bit of a West End crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that because when I... When I came on stage, there was silence. Um, so <laughs> Monet Exchange, who has uh, also been on RuPaul's Drag Race and I are in the show. And so when we walk through the door, it's, it's often a crowd of like Drag Race fans. So when yeah. we walk through the, the door, people are like, ah! and yeah. there's that like, no, oh, thank you, thank you. And then, of course, you come, to, you come to expect it. And then you walk out on Sunday matinee and there's crickets and you're like, Oh, no. So what, that sort of people who work locally and sort of go and see each other's shows, but it's not... Mm, No, I think it was more like a West End, like people who go to see West End shows crowd. I see, right. I think. They were sort of laughing at all the right places structurally, but they weren't laughing at the... There's not many in-jokes as as far as, like, drag race in-jokes go, but there's mm. there's a lot of, like, absurd humour that they weren't laughing at as much as sort of, like, the structured humour. Yes, because I suppose there is, you know, one of the, the things that besets theatre in the UK, but all over the world, is, um, you know, it's pretty exclusive and it's mm. it's very expensive and it's a lot of whenever I've, I ever go to a theatre like it's a lot of um, older white people mm. um, and you know for yeah, anyone they were basically a Tory audience who were in which is funny because one of the characters is he's called Rich Whiteman uh, <laughs> and he is a he's played by a drag king performer Louis Cipher and I'm not entirely sure I think for the first half the audience are like oh yes 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 I agree with you yes <laughs> so bloody immigrants <laughs> And then in Act 2, when some revelations about the character's uh, misgivings become revealed, I feel like there was a moment where the audience were like, oh, we've been hoodwinked. He's a puff. Um, I think they, yeah, they were like, oh, finally we're being represented on the, the West End stage again. You know, white conservative people, it's about time we had some representation. It's funny that, isn't it? Because how do you, as a drag performer like how do you bring those people on board um because i'm thinking about when we interviewed julian clary a long long time ago and we were talking about you know how progressive julian clary was at the time and used to do like in the 80s like go in like a a pink latex onesie on panel shows and stuff and and but what he said that is that he used to try and get there first like he would try and 
um and he would get people on stage and go through their handbags and stuff to try and sort of undercut them in some way but i thought that was an interesting approach but how do you how do you do it um i mean it depends on what i'm doing i suppose in this show it's a play that's written so there's only so much i can do night to night Mm. um but normally in my shows it's interesting because if i'm doing a show that people have booked to come and see they're coming to see me so the audience is already on my side but then you'll do things like like edinburgh fringe Mm. you'll do some like gala night or something where there's it's just people who have come to see a a variety show and i've got like a slot that essentially is promotion for my show but i always forget and i just click back there's just that instinctive moment when you walk out on stage and you're like oh these aren't my people (laughs) they're not hostile but you just go back to um did you see the Hannah Gadsby Nanette show Mm. when she said when she talks about self-deprecation um and she says it's not humility it's humiliation I put myself down in order to create a space for me to speak Mm. and she says I'm not willing to do that anymore to you know when you come from a marginalized community and uh it is that that thing that I think I learned from touring with like the lay girls um who are a sort of famous troupe of Australian trans women who pioneered queer performance in the 60s and 70s in Australia, very mainstream, family-friendly, and it was all very like, where do you put it? Open your mouth and I'll show you, sort of um, comedy that involves a lot of like penis humour and self-deprecating sort of humour at their expense. And, yeah, I just remember like walking on stage in Edinburgh and doing those old jokes of like 36, 26, 36, eight and a half Mm. and sort of, you know, chatting to the the straight man and and I guess, yeah, making myself the the target before they could sort of thing, which isn't necessarily the healthiest thing, as Hannah Gadsby has pointed out, uh, but it, it is sort of like that default flight or fight almost that just clicks in when you realise you're in that environment. Yeah, and it's really fascinating that, isn't it? Because you are sort of uh, used to doing that. And I think a drag is such a kind of um, barometer for where the world is at. Do you feel that you have ha- you would do that less now? Um, well, one thing that I do love, which I've noticed, especially I think it could be moving to the UK, it could be winning Celebrity Big Brother, and it could be the time that we're currently living in. But I've definitely noticed that that is not as common these days, especially in a professional environment, like in television, if I'm on a panel show or something like that. Whereas before, and I've felt this feeling on Australian television many times where it's sort of like, it's a man in a dress. Um, That doesn't happen anymore. And it was actually palpable and shocking to me when I realized I was like why is I feel just I feel like just a human now Ah, I don't feel like a sideshow act I feel like I'm invited here and respected and listened to and understood and I can still make a dick joke if I want to but that's not I'm not required to in order to create a space for myself yeah it's funny isn't it it's like you're not a freak Mm. that's not your central gag almost yeah that's a lovely place to be, to be quite honest, because I love drag and I love performance, but it's it's kind of like any performer who goes on stage sort of, or anybody who goes on television gets hair and makeup done to them. Mm. My hair and makeup just happens to be 
a different gender to the one that I'm expected to appear as, I suppose, which did make it sort of that freak element. But in a way, it also carved out a space that people were staring long enough that they now treat me with respect most of the time. So, Yeah, and it's like, because that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, actually, is that your career has kind of broadly spanned... I mean, you know, listen, RuPaul's been around forever, but like, you know, uh, has spanned drag going from fringe to ultra mainstream. Mm. And I wondered how that had changed your act. And I suppose part of it is that, that you don't feel you need to send yourself up. Yeah. And I get to, I think I've always wanted to talk about stuff. (laughs) I've always (laughs) wanted to talk about topics of interest whether that be I love gender and I love sexuality I love talking about the nuances of that and I love talking about politics or the environment or art or whatever it is but talking with some depth and some interest but that wasn't really ever afforded because it was always a bit more slapsticky Mm. Um, to to now have a place where you know I'm invited on a BBC panel show to comment on Brexit and the NHS in drag with nobody batting an eyelid just tickles me to no end. <laughs> yeah. um, and I like that. And I'm, I, I love like getting down and dirty and talking about things. When you've done a panel show and you've gone in full drag, you're on as Courtney, right? But yeah, It's just me with more hair and makeup though. It's like, I'm sure Kim Kardashian and I spend a similar amount of time getting ready and probably do the same things to our body. She just doesn't tuck. <laughs> I was um, thinking about Katie Price and Jordan. Mm-hmm. I suppose there's a parallel there, isn't there? Yeah. Jordan and Katie, Katie Price are sort of extreme in a way. But I think if, I was watching, I mean, Gemma Collins is kind of extreme, but I was watching <laughs> her on um, God, I love her. CBBC uh, Celebrity Supply Teacher. I did an episode of and she was on the same season. I'm so excited about that. And she's there absolutely barefaced talking about this character Gemma that she plays on television um, and sort of like talked through the fourth wall in a way which was interesting but even like say Kylie you know she's not Mm. sitting at home in hair and makeup she's just in clothes like the rest of us and then she gets tarted up for promo and I think that's that's how I feel Courtney is in a way but I think people definitely respond to me maybe slightly more drastically than Kylie in pajamas and Kylie in hair and makeup because yeah one, I'm a boy and the other, I'm a girl. And so particularly like the straight men and the straight presenters certainly treat me a different way as Courtney. Really? What is yeah. that difference? They treat me like like a woman, like an attractive, blonde, leggy woman. Like it's, it's beyond their intellectual comprehension. It's, <laughs> it's got to do with their biology and so as much as they want to think their way out of it, their biology is responding to a visual that makes things, you know, blood flow and hormones. I'm not like, not even like saying that, not saying all straight men want to have sex with me. <laughs> but they're only but, human. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there is certainly something in in our, you know, in our biology and our chemistry that like hmm. makes you respond to like that image, which is I think part of the reason why I do it but also part of it is just because I enjoy it but I think there's something there's although I kind of look like a, a a woman there's something subversive about certainly not being a woman and presenting that way 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mm. Do you feel like drag is the canary in the mine for what we demand of women's bodies at any given time in the world because there's this sort of you know there's this sort of burgeoning scene which i'm sure has been around for longer than i know but like that slightly more messy drag queen Mm. and it's more like body hair and stuff like that and do you because you've spoken before about how courtney was almost trying to subvert body image stuff Mm. so how do you feel because sometimes you're create you're pandering to the stereotypes but that's not what you wanted to do and it's complicated yeah yeah it's weird because by subverting the unrealistic beauty expectations i actually just reinforce them (laughs) and there's an interesting theory which i'll try and get right that goes something along the lines of if you look at Let's take the Kardashians as an example of modern femininity and unrealistic beauty standards. Mm. The people who do their hair and makeup and styling, and all of these like women, our JLo's and um, these sort of like glamorous women of this era, most of their teams of hair and makeup artists and stylists are gay men. Mm. And a lot of those gay men, you know, we g- grew up with being influenced by drag and by trans performers and um, a lot of that influence, like contouring and, you know, drag queens have been doing that for 20 plus years and it's just something the Kardashians have started doing. Mm. Um, That sort of stage and theatre makeup to sort of restructure bones. And also, you know, people of colour tend to use contouring, women tend to use contouring more to give, you know, depth to darker skin tones and things like that as well. But there's sort of this theory that sort of gay men are creating these pop stars in their own mind's eye image of of femininity. And if you mm. look at the female pop stars of today, they are more like drag queens than, than they have ever been. It, to the point where for a long time, if I was dressing for the male gaze, I would. I, I used to wear a lot less makeup, a lot less hair, a lot less everything. But now I feel emboldened by... <laughs> the beauty standards of pop culture to still dress to the male gaze and be over the top with hair and makeup. Wow. Um, I was on the set of the Little Mix music video Power that Willem Alaska and I were in and I was yes. looking at Jade from Little Mix and her hair and makeup was just amazing and she was wearing more hair and makeup than I had ever worn and I pledged on that day forward that I would wear more hair and I have ever since that day my makeup and really? hair has been so and I've been so much better for it i love it i'm like oh i don't need to be yeah i've leaned into the creativity and the fantasy 
of it all as well. But to sort of get back to that question of is drag the canary in the in the coal mine? I don't know. It might be chicken and egg. I'm not sure, but it is fascinating to see. I mean, the Kardashian body isn't a body that has existed historically in pop culture. Mm. Um, the only place I have seen that body historically is in the trans drag performers that I know from. I remember seeing a video of um, Candy Stratton, who's a share impersonator, trans woman, um, gave me this video back before YouTube that had all of these continental, miscontinental pageant contestants in it. And these women had quite modified bodies of like silicone hips and breasts and like these hyper feminine sort of shapes that almost at the time could seem absurd. But now you look at a Kardashian or, or any, there's so many, it's not just them. I'm just using them yes. as the signpost Yeah, um, that their bodies are exactly that. And so, yeah, it's interesting to see with the, some women are like reclaiming their bodies, how they want. And then others are becoming even more hyper. Yeah, it's sort of making it extra, going extra on everything. Mm. And yeah, you'd spoken a, a bit about Australia and what it's like in... You grew up in Sydney, did you? I grew up in Brisbane and I Brisbane. moved to Sydney when I was 18. So I call Sydney home, but technically Brisbane. So your family are in Brisbane? My family, are. they moved to the mountains sort of near... Byron Bay. One thing I love about you is you have this lovely ease and lightness of touch about you and you're so warm and kind and I think is that from your family? Uh, is is that your I think so. Whilst I, whilst there was one type of man in the mainstream, I suppose, I was very fortunate to have a different type of man uh, as my father. Oh. And I've only realized this while writing my memoir where Writing a memoir is just like I recommend everybody, even <laughs> if no one's going to read it, just write it for your own mental clarity. But probably wait. Don't do it if you're in your 20s. Just wait. <laughs> yeah, you need you to still, wait. You've still, it's still unfolding. <laughs> the ink is still wet. Um, I mean, I'm sure the ink is still wet now at 38. But yes. um, my dad, and I don't know, I think this is both a metaphor and actually a, a real lesson. My dad has a giant moustache, mm -hmm. like a moustache that attracted attention wherever we went. Mm. He just loved his moustache and people loved it, but it was very abnormal. But it, he just always had it. And so I never kind of noticed. And I just grew up with my dad happy being different. And I think he's quite comfortable in his, he never, never once did he expect me to be masculine. Never once did he try to butch me up or anything like that. And I didn't realize any of these things until writing writing it all down. Mm. Um, whilst I think there's different levels of, because I, I do have wonderful, loving parents who are very supportive. And the struggles that I've had sort of trying to understand my identity when I had two parents who loved me and, and made me feel wonderful and I and that my sort of trauma and struggle comes from the outside world and then I think some people don't even have that don't have that primary yeah. um, safety net so I feel very blessed it gives me a lot of empathy I think in understanding other people and their own struggles because I know how important that fundamental relationship that primary caregiver relationship has been to me mm. um, and still how much yeah how 
how confusing I found things. But yeah, my dad was always this other example of masculinity, I think, that I just never realized. He was an acupuncturist and naturopath. Again, like not a normal job yeah, <laughs> at all yeah. in, in Brisbane in the 80s. Yeah. He's just always been a man who like really comfortable being himself. When I came out, he told me that he once lived with six drag queens back in the 70s <laughs> and been to Sleazeball one year in drag. And no. It was like, ah, 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 this is my coming out story. Um, <laughs> but I love when dad picks me up from the airport at the Gold Coast to drive me back to their place. We sort of sit in the car for an hour or so and it's some of my favourite times just getting to hang out with dad and chat. There's something that I love about a journey, like where you're sat in a car with somebody, you're trapped in a car or even going walking. I used to love going on like walking dates, like dates to Runyon Canyon in LA because if you didn't like the person, then at least you still got a hike in. But also (laughs) it's like maybe it's an hour and a half and part of your focus is occupied doing a task but you're still quite engaged in talking and I think in some weird way it's almost like you've had a few drinks like your your defenses are a little bit down because you're trying to navigate a rocky path but you're also talking deep and meaningful it makes it less intense doesn't it like it takes the edge off it I also think because I always love that my mum whenever she was having troubles with us as a kid like she would drive us somewhere and sort Mm -hmm. of bring things up on the drive Mm. and I think it's the lack of eye contact as well like I think not having to look at each other is less confrontational. You can float something. You're not worried about the reaction. It can float yeah. back in, you know. This is something I really want to talk to you about is um, celebrity supply teacher because oh, yeah. it's like it's a CBBC show, right? Yeah. 20 years ago in the year 2000, my first job in the on telly in the mainstream was yeah. um, as a kids TV show host. And we filmed one day a month. We filmed four episodes in a day. It was a Saturday night show. Four episodes in a day. And then I had the other 29 or 30 days of the month off. <laughs> and that was when I discovered drag. Actually, it was 2001 because I went to the 2001 Diva Awards in drag. I was wearing a little blue sparkly payette dress that I bought from Myers, And a friend did my makeup. And my friend worked in television on like the home shopping network doing makeupy things and he was like you know kid this is television the fact that you're going to this thing in drag is already bad enough I can't believe I'm doing your makeup but whatever you do don't get photographed at this event because you work in kids television and it's we all know that doing drag is certainly not it is mutually exclusive Mm. Um, and of course a photograph of me ended up in the paper and then that week I got the call that they weren't continuing with the show and by the way, nice photo of you in the blue dress in the in the paper. And yeah, I lost my job um, hosting kids TV, which mm. interestingly, like, I'm not mad at them per se. I would have preferred that the world was a different place, but the world wasn't a different place then. So yeah. I don't have a grievance, say, with the individual or the company or anything like that. It's more looking back that I feel like, oh, that's unfortunate that the world was that place. But mm. I would have I would have given myself the same advice. I can could also see that back then that how a, being a drag queen wasn't appropriate to be a kids TV show host. So it's weird where I'm like, wait, am I am I just 
taking on the oppressor's mindset or am I being objective? But anyway, Mm. 20 years later, I get a call from Children's BBC to do an episode of Celebrity Supply Teacher on kindness and difference and acceptance. And it was so um, heartwarming to do and particularly to watch back and to see the kids' questions, to have like a bunch of young kids asking, you know, knowingly with families, you know, having them knowingly ask a drag queen a question um, and then getting to answer that. I love it when you watch things back that you do and you're like, I really like that. I, I did a good job there. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> so, it's and so lovely. And that, you know, that thing that saying we always come back to on this podcast is like, you've got to see it to be it. And having mm. that in, having, if some kid wants to grow up and do drag, like it not be this thing that is for them lives on the margins and in dark places in nightclubs. It's something mm. that they've seen from a young age because it's totally normal. And, and I think even be, beyond doing drag, just about ownership of your own identity and defining yourself outside the status quo. Mm. And and I think that's the other thing is so often like what I do isn't about like recruiting people to do drag. It's about allowing people to express themselves however they, however they want mm-hmm. um, and allowing them to understand that however they feel inside is correct. Yeah, and that's an important distinction actually. Well, now's the time to go and put on the kettle because we've come to the end of part one with Courtney Act, aka Shane Jenick. I am having a whale of a time. I don't know about you lot, but go to your feed and look at part two because it is released at the same time as part one. So click on that and have a listen. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Powered by Spirit Studios.